0: Hello folks, welcome back. I'm your host Simon Ward and this is the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast where I can promise you'll always hear a Yorkshire accent and we will never have any accents. We chat with all of our guests about peak performance, fitness, health, nutrition, recovery, longevity, relationships and happiness because it doesn't matter whether you want to finish your first spring triathlon. Set a personal best at your next event or just keep turning up until you're in your 70s. Each of these elements has real significance. These are all of the principles that underpin our SWAT community. We've almost 150 like-minded members, and if you join, you'll be able to access winter training and summer racing plans for any sort of race with a variety of weekly training volumes, and also catering for all levels of experience. If you're interested in joining us for the 2023 season, please check out the very obvious links in the show notes. Now, running, And how to stay running healthily is at the heart of what every athlete, triathlete wants to do. And so this week I'm chatting with elite runner, now physiotherapist and back pain specialist Owen Everard from Ireland. Owen knows a thing or two about running, having run under 4 minutes for a mile, 14 minutes for 50 for 5k and 30 minutes for 10k and he's competed for Ireland internationally. He also treats a lot of elite runners and knows a thing or two also about how to keep runners healthy and consistent with their training. So it's really nice to hear that Owen has a simple and effective approach, and hopefully you'll learn a lot about how to stay on track with your running this winter. So let's crack on and hear from Owen. Welcome to the show, Mr. Owen Everard.
1: Simon, thanks so much for having me. A really, uh, really big honour to be on your podcast, so I'm um, delighted to chat to you.
0: Well, I, I'm humbled when people say it's an honor and realize that my, uh, my podcast had, had traveled that far and that wide and that people find it an honor to be on. But I, I accept that with good grace. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, it's great, um, isn't it? That, uh, you know, you can have someone in the UK or US or Ireland and, you know, we can all listen in and there's such yeah. a community in like running antriathlon That's great. You know, even there with the borders, you know, you don't know where people are listening to this or.
0: Well, do you know, I've got a few, I've had quite a few callers or um, guests on from the United States because I've got a circle of contacts over there that, in you know, sort of um, widens my potential uh, guest list. Um, but my wife is sick of, uh, particularly last week when we were away in Hawaii at the, at the Triathlon World Championships and we're sitting down for a coffee and somebody will say, are you Simon Warden?" you'll see her eyes roll and she'll glaze over <laughs> and sort of zone out. Oh, I listened to your podcast and... Uh, but but it, it it's quite flattering that um you know uh, they're not all Hawaiian but they are from other parts of the world and so it, it is quite flattering when you you know I know you've written a book or um you've been to a presentation when somebody from a far flung place has heard of you and um and likes your stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think sometimes you think that you know we're only we're doing this stuff and we think we're in a silo you don't actually think people are listening to it so yeah
0: yeah
1: when you hear back
0: it's always great isn't it that's absolutely right yes well look um you've got a lot of qualifications uh for for being a guest on this podcast i mean the first and foremost is that you're you're an excellent runner and i'm i'm gonna let you tell people about that in a moment um you also have a background in uh, biomechanics is that right yeah Um, yeah my phd um, is your phd and you're a physiotherapist so you you do you you learn and then you put it into practice. So uh, you're covering all the bases.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's always good. Um, you know, one kind of lends into the other. When I was running at an early age and you'd probably go to physiotherapy or you'd be interested in mm-hmm. in fitness, obviously, in general, because you're running. And then uh, so that's kind of what you go into. And then I think they've really both helped each other because sometimes you can go to a physio and they're not – they're not into sport. I remember going to one mm-hmm. when I was in college, and she was like, "Oh, just take six weeks off." And I was like, "I don't yeah, just walk the dog. Work. Yeah, I <laughs> don't, don't just walk the dog on a Sunday. It's like you're asking for a lot here. So, yeah. I'll do all the exercises if I'm injured. Um, you know, but it, it they they both helped each other, and then I've got there's been so many fantastic physios I've got to go to, um, personally, and then I kind of kind of apply that when I'm learning it myself. So it's uh, yeah, it's yes. been great.
0: And, uh, you know, with my background, it's not physiotherapy, but it's strength and conditioning. So whether I was working um, with an athlete in a club that was injured or um, going through my own rehab, I'd always be asking questions. And um, sometimes I think that the physios felt a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of questions I was like, so why has this happened? And how do we do that? And how can we stop it happening in the future? But one thing I've learned as a coach, and I wish more coaches would do that, is that collaborating with physios and um, learning from them and ask, I've asked, plenty of physios to come down to our training sessions and see what the athletes do so they can understand our sport and the way they train. Um, I, I wish more coaches would collaborate with their physios to build up a relationship because that might enhance their coaching, but it also helps their learning and it helps you as a physiotherapist to understand that sport, doesn't it?
1: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think, as you said, there needs to be a little bit more joined up thinking at times mm-hmm. rather than just, the, the athlete going to one. And then sometimes the messaging uh can be difficult. Like, so you have your background as a triathlon coach, as a certified strength and conditioning specialist. So we can talk the same language. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like Chinese whispers. If I tell the athlete something oh, yeah. down to you, you're not really sure. Are they loud train? Are they not? uh You know, like they come back to me, they're saying they're doing some exercises. I'm not really sure which ones. So if you chat, it's like, you know, um, compliance or rehabilitation might be an issue, but you could be doing a circuit class or some kind of strength and conditioning that essentially could be the rehab anyway, you know? So it is mm. great when we can kind of link in and um,
0: well, well, you know, work together. You've made a good point there because if if I get an athlete that come, that goes to see the physio and they'll say, right, well, I've got this problem with my hamstrings. So she says that I need to do, or he says that I need to do these exercises where I sit on the bench and I, and I straighten my leg um you know with my foot under this thing so oh, are you talking about leg extensions then yes yeah uh, yeah, exactly. yeah um yeah that's what i think they said so i'm thinking well you've got a hamstring problem why are you talking about leg extensions um yeah 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 so i have to bring my heel up to my bum oh hold on a minute that's not a leg extension that's, yeah yeah exactly. that's a knee flexion no she definitely said sit on it rather than lie on it right so but but so now what i do is um, certainly with the athletes that I've got, I recommend they all go to see my physio and make the journey to Leeds. Um, yes because that means I can go and observe the assessments. And then whenever there's been any treatment, I ask if they can ask the physio to share the report yeah. and the and the rehab exercises with me so I can then make sure they're prescribed properly.
1: It makes such a big difference as well. Like, you know, here in Kilkenny, at a running coach James Ettingham or or Emma Dunlevy, I know, and We'd all, I'd have also other physios or osteopaths because mm-hmm. he might be very good. I'm very good at like with back pain, uh, lower limbs, but like terrible then with, uh, shoulders is just something mm-hmm. I'm not good at. So mm-hmm. but I have a, there's an osteopath Noel who's very good at like, you know, ribs and shoulders. So you need like connections and you need to develop that network so mm-hmm. that like, say, if you have someone who gets injured, you know, as you said, you send them to your physio, you trust them. Mm-hmm. If they can't do it, they know who to go to or. Yeah. And vice versa. You could, I have loads of times where clients come in, and it could be more like good structure training is what's needed, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to more of the rehabilitation. And that's where I can work both ways.
0: Uh, we used to have a physio clinic. We, so we owned a property, and uh, within that, my ex-wife um, ran a physio clinic. And she was a um, she was a Great Britain physio for. Oh yeah, um, brilliant. For great bit of swimming. So she was really good. You talked about shoulders there. She was really good on upper body yes. stuff, on shoulder stuff, particularly around swimming. So she would get lots of referrals um from other physios and coaches, but also from um uh op- surgeons who'd done shoulder reconstructions for people because she knew all about the structure of the shoulder more than yeah. anything else. But then, like you say, she perhaps wasn't so good on hamstrings and but she knew other physios who, like you, they work with runners, so they were probably more um more familiar with lower limb issues
1: yeah big time like i think that's the key it's like you need to specialize and
0: have a network around there Mm. Mm. so just um because you mentioned when you write a book um it's and i know you've written a little book about healthy spines um uh, but tell us about your running career first because you've uh you've run well firstly you've run a sub four minute mile um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I, I would think that if we've got these little benchmarks of things we'd like to do sub three hour marathon, sub 10 hour Ironman, running a sub four minute mile would probably be amongst those.
1: Yeah. So, and I was lucky enough. Um, so I was a decent runner. Um, I've been running for a long time. I think that persistence pays off. So, um, <coughs> I have a sub so four minute mile. I have a kind of one of the, I've represented Ireland from kind of 800 meters, to ten thousand cross co- ten thousand meters cross country mm-hmm. at a European senior level, um, I would have I have basically all the odds I call them. So I'd have I'm um, sub sub three forty. So in three thirty nine for 1500, 358 for the mile, uh, seven fifty seven for a three k, thirteen fifty eight for a five k, and twenty nine right. for a ten k. So wow. it's nice little nice little spectrum to have the the last. The five Ks and the ten Ks came when I was a bit older. I I concentrated more on the mile and fifteen hundred meters, but uh, it's been great to do the the longer stuff and um, really enjoyed it the whole way. You know, we've I've uh, go through a lot of stuff as when you run for kind of twenty years plus at a good level. Did you ever come across Chris Jones? Yeah. Yeah. I really like Chris Jones.
0: Yeah. Chris, Chris is a friend of mine. I've known Chris for a long time. He was, he was really,
1: um, yeah. Yeah. He revolu- He did a lot of good work in Irish athletics and he's just a gent as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. I, uh, if I refer to, co- uh, um, to coaches who've been an influence on my, my career, Chris Jones would be one of them. And, uh, Malcolm Brown, who's a running coach who worked with the Brownleys, and um, oh yeah, uh, over here in Leeds, Malcolm Malcolm would be another one. So that, and they've both been on this podcast, so, but certainly Chris Jones, uh, he was at Triathlon Island, wasn't he? His performance director, and then he went to Irish Athletics.
1: Yeah, Irish Athletics, and like I know some people still do. He brought some things in about like you know maybe like hills in the evening time after you've done a a long run, and mm-hmm. just different different things. Like as I said, a gent, and he brought in a lot of different types of training. So uh, really really
0: fond of Chris yeah i I was just thinking about your um your sub four minute miles i don't know if you ever read alex hutchinson's book endure
1: yes Um, i did and and
0: alex was a track runner, probably like you and probably from the same era and he he had this struggle to get under four minutes for a mile didn't he for ages and ages and i think he managed it on a day when he was given wrong information and he thought he was too slow so he relaxed a bit and all of a sudden he was able to get through it and then after that the floodgates opened
1: yeah it's funny isn't it sometimes how the how the mind can uh Determine things, you know. But then, actually, it's funny. On on that, sometimes I feel like the psychology doesn't matter. Like, you know, I think sometimes we can. Uh, it just depends on your perspective. Sometimes I can feel we can overthink these things, mm-hmm. and a lot of times for runners or triathlon triathletes, if we were being one hundred percent honest with ourselves, we're probably not that fit. To, for what we're trying to achieve mm-hmm. you know when you look back you know but sometimes i feel like runners and track track uh, athletes are so harsh on themselves yeah so if they're not running they think when they're on giving up in races or not trying it's like it's probably you're just something either a little illness or you're just not actually that aerobically fit or mm-hmm. the training hasn't gone as good as you'd hoped and you're thinking it's a psychological thing when it's actually a physical. Because I had a f- had it for a year where I was like, oh, "I need to give it more in races." I was I was trying to g myself up, and yeah. then the f- I, I, and it never worked. And then the following year, with the same level of confidence, which was zero, and then <laughs> more fitness, I ran way better. And then yeah, after yeah. that, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to worry about how I feel. Um. You know, and I really, I kind of feel that. I think people can overthink things, and it's just like, look, you'll do your best. Everyone tries their best, and it's like it's either going to be good enough on the day or it's not. And I wouldn't beat yourself up about.
0: Well, you have
1: to think a certain way.
0: I've I've had that conversation with people when they say, you know, I just I should have tried harder. I'm like, nobody ever, nobody that I know ever goes to a race and and doesn't try hundred percent right you know uh, i i referred to being in in hawaii last week and i'm listening to people saying oh you know if i just put a bit more effort in well you know could you have done it could you have gone any faster no so you did everything you could yeah and on that day it wasn't good enough now uh, understanding why um might be another conversation but sometimes you can beat yourself up about trying to find a why and it's just one of those days and equally if we spent as much time analyzing you know when we just have one of those dream days when we were expecting yes, it we don't yeah, we exactly. don't beat ourselves up about the fact that i went way faster than i'd expected so what's happened there then
1: yeah exactly yeah there's like uh there's that kind of like neurological fatigue like the nervous system yeah. like how how that responds can make a massive variation oh. i can't i can't remember the exact percentage but it's big enough.
0: Well, well, Alex talks about that, doesn't he? He says if you, um they did some research where they did a, a time to exhaustion study with people on bikes, then they split the group in two and gave one half of the group a really intensive 90 minute puzzle to, to and a series of tests to work out on the computer. The other guys were able to just sit and watch their favorite video or a book and then they got them to redo the time to exhaustion and the folks that had been in front of the computer for 90 minutes were about um, 15% off shorter in their time to exhaustion and nearly all of them said well from the first pedal stroke my legs felt really tired and yet they've done no physical exercise so that makes you think well what about those folks who who peak for a um a running race or um or a triathlon but then they're tapering and so because they've got all this spare time they think i'll get loads of work done on the computer
1: yeah exactly and then then they
0: wonder why why their performance is off and it's well that's that's it you've spent time on the computer instead of just just relaxing
1: yeah maybe keeping your naps up or whatever else yeah and then the thing is not to worry about it either do you know there's a paradox it's like do you know if i listen to things on sleep i try to do the right things but then going to sleep can be sometimes like trying to sleep can be like trying to lose your keys it's it's very hard to, tr- <laughs> <you know? laughs> so it, we can overthink about these things as well i think if as you said just try keep things relaxed like you were doing yeah you know And if you're thinking about it, like I've had it conversely, then I've had it plenty of times where I've slept terrible and ran brilliant. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking and, and I've, I've literally gone in thinking I'm going to run terrible and ran brilliant. There's not much you can do about it on the day. So it's just like, just roll with the punches. There's a, you know, there's a song in La Miserable is like that one day more, we'll discover what this God in heaven has in store. And it's that thing. It's like, look, you can't really like, that's the one thing I've learned as I've, gone on as a runner it's like you don't you can't really all you can do is put things into a pot and hope to god it works out on the day mm-hmm. and that's all you can do like it's you, you can't really control if you're going to sleep well or you're going to be stressed or not stressed don't judge yourself for that things just roll with it because as yeah. you go on you'll realize I, i've honestly raced in like every scenario sleep well, Slept well is that terrible felt mm-hmm. great felt terrible it, at certain times at other times you know rushed to here had all day at the race you like you do you try put in place what work what you feel works for you mm-hmm. and then after that it's like look you're gonna like you're gonna find out what god in heaven had in store for you after today and that's all he can do
0: yeah and i, I think um there's an analogy i use that that's about getting to the start line you know as a coach and maybe as a physio all we can do is help an athlete get to the start line in great shape and after that it's in the hands of the gods isn't it you know yeah well, that's
1: and- the name of my book actually i don't know if you know that i have the one called secrets of the healthy spine and then the it's a free book if people want it it's just a collection of articles it's how to get to the line in the best shape possible you can get it to some cheeky plug at everairplades.com yeah slash book but uh, yeah, that's exactly what it's called: how to get to the line in the best shape possible. Because all right. that's all we can do. It's like get there, and then yeah. hopefully it all works out.
0: Well, let's 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 get onto this then, because I know you've got other commitments today. Let's talk about how we get those athletes onto the start line, and and um, let's talk about triathlon injuries and particularly those related to running. So, um, Alison Rose uh, is my physio, and Alison. And I did a podcast, one of the very first ones I did, and she had this idea that um, based on the people that she's seen in her clinic, of all the triathlon injuries, around 70 to 80% of them are related to running, and that there are three main reasons for that. Um, Inappropriate training, so probably doing too much too soon, or just doing more than your body's capable of absorbing. Um, Lack of strength around key joints and muscles, and poor technique. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you align with Alison, and if so, why, or do you do you think that there's um there are other reasons?
1: Yeah, no, I'd be nearly 100% with her on a few of those. Uh, like a lack of strength is big, and then the structure is so important. Like you know, having planned down weeks, and there's a thing called the acute to chronic workload ratio, which shows it's not even the amount of volume you do; it's sudden spikes in the type of training that you do. Mm. So, for example if you have someone who's getting ready for an Ironman and they're doing that kind of low, slow plodding type of running, they should also just be keeping in some kind of strides, some kind of like quicker work. So if they go back to say Olympic triathlon, Mm -hmm. it's not such a shock to the body if they're on the track or they're doing kind of shorter runs. And then similarly, if you have someone who is doing some of the shorter, like say Olympic distances or even shorter, like say sprint tries, but they want to do a half ironman or ironman yeah. well do a kind of long brick session like do a long cycle into a long run not not obviously what they're doing but just you know maybe have a 90 minute run in every two or three weeks having built up from say 60 or 70 so that when you then go into the block of training it's not this massive shock to the body where you're playing catch up so i definitely think the structure and that's where coaches like yourself, Simon, are so important for people. I do, I, I always emphasize this. It's like, you're putting so much time and effort into this. Mm. And like a coach relative is so cheap. Like, you know, like if I asked you, say, if I asked someone to work for me, you know, for the amount of time relative to the the payment, they would be like, they'd actually like laugh or maybe be insulted. <laughs> but like, they'd rather just go out and, do it off a, a generic training program or, or, or I'll be okay. It's like give yourself the permission to do your best at the sport. It doesn't matter your level. Cause as I said, I've ran at European level. I've run against the Inge Britsons. So someone might look at me and go, Oh God, he's a really good runner. I can tell you at every level, you feel like a bit of a fraud. You always, mm. there's someone always ahead of mm. you. Mm. So it doesn't matter if you're trying to, you know, complete an Ironman in like say 16 hours or you're trying to, you know, do one in in sub 10 hours. It's like if you're trying something or you're doing a sprint triathlon for the first time, if you're trying it, I would recommend get a coach to structure things correctly for you. Second thing I would say is, especially as we get older, I would totally agree with your physio. That strength training of some sort is massive. So we do our sports Pilates, mm-hmm. um, which just is targeted at like the areas that I get, injured and runners that we do a kind of 45 minute class a week, but it doesn't have to be sports Pilates. If you wanted to do strength training, if you wanted to do, um, you know, anything else that's activating the muscles because the injuries that people get are all what we call passive injuries. The plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, knee pain, hip Mm. pain, even like if it's a hamstring, it's not a hamstring tear. It's like, like a tendinopathy of the hamstring. These are injuries that soccer players do not get. They get like hamstring tears or sprinters because they're using their muscles more. So what we're doing is overloading the passive passive structures, the joints, the ligaments, or the tendons of the body. So uh- running and then cycling and swimming, because it's non-weight-bearing, you, you get away with it a little bit more, um, doesn't lend itself to activating the muscles. So you need to have... M- at least once a week, some kind of structured work that allows you to essentially wake up the muscles. Mm. And then once the muscle's woken up, they'll start naturally taking the pressure off the other, they'll start taking the load.
0: Just going back to what you were saying about um, always keeping a little bit of something in your program, keep a little bit, if you're training for an Ironman, keep a little bit of, Faster work in there, faster pace work, shorter work. Um, I, I do think sometimes that periodization is to blame for this sort of like, right? Well, it's also long, slow distance now, and then when we get to here, we're going to change that to do more intense stuff. And that I, I know that you know in the physio clinic they always used to say that you could tell when people have started their tr- different training um, phases because they'd always be in in runners more injuries in September when they start the winter training, more injuries in April yeah. when they all go back to the track. And I and I think what i've learned over the years as a coach is to you know the 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 time of the year means that you change the emphasis of certain things but you always keep something in so like you say i always have some strides in there i always quite often get people to do a long run but then maybe stop for four or five minutes and just do some 30 second strides backwards and forwards and then continue with the long run um i always get them to have a long run or a, a longish run at least once a week at a low at a really easy pace um because just the body gets adapted to that. But I did want to ask you about um, your opinion on multidirectional work, because triathlon, particularly, is just sagittal plane, isn't it? It's all going forward. So swimming, and I know there's a little bit of rotation in swimming. So and, and we need to include that. But there's very little lateral yeah. running when we. Um, there's, a, there's very little little lateral movement when we run. And so, certain, you know, I think I counted up. If you were training ten or twelve hours a week as a triathlete over the course of a year, there's, you know, several hundred thousand swim strokes, several hundred thousand footsteps, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. many, many more hundred thousands of pedal strokes. So, if if even if your technique is only zero point one percent away from being perfect, it's still imperfect, imperfect for five hundred thousand yes. steps, yeah, 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 and, and that can build up. And so those muscles that we're using get really overused, and the and the muscles that help to move you laterally or to to change direction are, are underused. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on on uh, runners and triathletes, including at least once a week, maybe in a warm up of some multi directional, um, maybe ladder and and hurdle work like the soccer players would do
1: yeah i think it's a great idea if you get people to do it it'd be brilliant like what you could do is like a little karaoke which is like mm-hmm. a karaoke or yeah. grapevine so one foot and forward one foot behind yes. and just add that in as you said a good time to do that is in the warm-up mm-hmm. whereas what we would do is like maybe high knees bum kicks but keeping the knees out in front yes kind of emphasize that good mechanics yes side to side actions as you said for the groins and then you could add in a couple of like karaoke where you're trying to lift the front leg, bring it behind, or if they would do hurdles, that would be brilliant. Mm. Just to add the key thing that uh, it can cause an injury is a lack of variation. So as you said, you're doing the same, especially when people go into a similar block, like the strides work well because they're even just opening up the legs. They're Mm. activating the muscles more. Whereas like if you're constantly just going out in the same kind of training in the same range of motion, it's not, it's not going to help. Like it, or it's going to, as you said, overload mm. those certain areas. So you just want to add that little bit of variation
0: in. Yeah. You, I, I was reading a little bit on um, uh, stress and recovery recently, and it was talking about how, you know, when you're doing unloading patterns for certain sports, like in a recovery week, but you can, you can still keep some stress, some bone and tendon stress, but I, by adding different direct directional stuff in there, it really helps. Um, to preserve the integrity of those connective tissues, doesn't it? And uh, I, I think you're probably going to tell me that the majority of triathlon injuries and running injuries are lower limb, even if they're not emanating from the lower limb. If they're caused by t- oh, yeah, hip yeah. tightness or uh, upper back tightness, you're still going to feel most of them from the knee downwards. And once you get an injury as a runner, you know you can you can probably carry on swimming with a little bit of an injury or niggle. And the same with cycling. Once you're injured as a runner, it pretty much brings to a stop all running.
1: Uh, depends if it is a tendon issue, um, you can stay running on it as long really? as it's not okay. over in three out of 10. Okay. Yeah, Cause you, you hit, you, you made a really good point there, Simon, that especially if people do have like tendon issues, even on their break, they should be loading that tendon slightly. So my left okay. knee gets sore and I'll actually find it's worse after a break mm-hmm. because it needs a certain amount of tension through it. Okay. And then I kind of understand it's like, okay, well, I need to get it back up to speed and then, then it'll be okay. You know, so like the first couple of weeks, it'll be a little bit achy. Now what we would say is it shouldn't be over three out of 10.
0: Now, hold should... on a minute. Let me just jump in there then. So that, that I'm always interested because my physios use that three or four or six out of yeah, 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, tough, isn't it? Um, I mean, most people aren't very good at RPE when they're exercising. Yes. Um, Cause they're always using their watches and gadgets. Um, what would a three out of 10, if you've got an Achilles problem, what would a three out of 10 be, you know, a bit of stiffness in the morning and then wearing off a little bit. Exactly. Of discomfort. Yeah.
1: Yes. Very slight, like
0: yeah. stiffness
1: ache, not, not more than like an awareness of it.
0: Not right. more so than if, that. So, so if you limpy- acute
1: pain, two, two things I would say is one, it should not feel like acute. It shouldn't feel like very, like a stabby pain to enter the Achilles. Second, mm-hmm. if it's after like two or three minutes, if it's making you change the way you run, then you have to stop like so if you're limping with it so they're the two kind of criteria
0: so if you're limping when you're walking that's definitely no no then oh yeah yeah yeah
1: and exactly runners can be quite um tough you know so what they'll class at three out of ten someone else would probably be classing a 10 out of 10 the other criteria i would say as well is that the next day it shouldn't be any worse right so if you find like the next day it's like okay, it was, it was okay that morning, you went for a run. Um, it was a little bit stiff, maybe at the start, it was okay. And then it was slightly stiff, but just, just, just aware, but you're able to run normally the next day when you wake up, you've, d- you've done some of your exercises or your foam rolling. The next yeah. day you wake up, it's feeling the same as the day before. That's fine. If the next day you wake up and it's like, as you said, sore walking or you're, w- you're way more aware of it. Mm. You've probably overloaded a bit too much.
0: You talked about beating yourselves up, and you know maybe having some self compassion. I always think if you had a dog that was limping, you wouldn't you wouldn't take it out for a walk and make it run around chasing a ball all so day, funny, would you? But, but 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 we always feel as athletes, we always feel it's okay for us to do that to ourselves.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, so I've always believed, and maybe I'm a bit more open minded or sort of lateral thinking than a lot of athletes, but I've always thought that. You know, every time I get injured, firstly, there's a bit of pain when I get injured. Then there's frustration yeah. when I realize it's going to impact on my training. And then when I do go to see the physio, um, there's 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 more pain to come when she presents me or he presents me with the bill. Right. Yeah. And normally it involves four or five visits to sort of, you know, get, get back to activity and, and yeah. performance. So, you know, um, I I Took the decision a long time ago that if I went to see the physio once a month, and she could say, because I keep referring to she, but that, my physio is a she. Yeah. If she could say to me, um, right, Simon, you're getting a little stiff in this, uh, you get a little stiff in this right hand side because of your shoulder. But what that's doing is translating down to your hip now and to your ankle there. So we need to keep working on the mobility around here and getting some, getting the foam roller into the glutes and, and, um, you know, TFL. Um, and a few more of these mobility exercises on this side that keeps me on the straight and narrow whereas if i ignore all of that it's leading me down the path of some sort of little niggle which is going to develop um what's your preference do you, do you like to see people reactively or proactively oh like obviously like
1: proactively is so much better isn't it is,
0: how, like, many of, how many of, how many of your patients are actually proactive would you say as a percentage
1: of the runners do you know what? Like sometimes when you get people in, you kind of have a conversation with them. Um, mm-hmm. So you just... Like I would say maybe 50-50. Maybe, wow. yeah, okay. like, maybe less. Maybe like 40%. But I think what you do is you gauge it with the person. So I have some elite runners who come to me every week. Mm-hmm. You know, like they just they want to get the pelvis checked. They want, they just want to get things checked. And I do kind of like sports massage with them. Then I'll have like a level down that maybe will come every like three or four weeks. And then we'd have a level down off that, that maybe will come every like, as you said, like six weeks would be mm. kind of ideal eight weeks. Mm. Um. Sometimes they drop off, but because it's, it's like, you see, it's like, there's a great analogy of like, if you're, if your parents at 17, give you a, a class brand new car, But there was one condition. You could never change that car again for the rest of your life. Hmm. And if you needed to change a part in it, the part wouldn't work as well. You know, like you'd service that car regularly. You'd make sure you look after it. Well, like our body is kind of like that car. You Mm -hmm. know, if you need to replace a knee, it isn't going to work
0: the same. And it's (laughs) it's going to be a lot more painful than paying for your car uh, um, start to motor replacing as well, isn't it?
1: It's like you say as well. It's like if you get an injury, one, you're out. And then two... Um, when you're out and then two, you're um, you're going to be like about four sessions, probably getting back, you know, whereas yeah. if you're going once you're kind of like addressing these things, like, and mm-hmm. that's what we do with the Pilates. It's like, yeah, it's harder. Like that's, that's why I came up with that because I found that when people were rehabbing, um, they were fine when they were injured. And then once the pain went away, they stopped completely. Yes. And then I'd see them in like, that's just a normal persons Mm -hmm. they come with for an injury not people who are you know regularly running but um they come back and i was like what are you doing your exercises no so then i came up with that sports so at least that Mm -hmm. they're doing something once a week to try and we have a couple of like foam rolling and myofascial release techniques that they can Mm -hmm. do for their particular area that gets tight Mm -hmm. or sore just to stay on top of it it's you know again another analogy it's like if it's snowing outside i can go out with a brush you know, every so often and brush it away, or I can wait three, four days and have to get a a shovel.
0: Mm. Yeah, keep definitely keeping on top of things seems to be a, a way more sensible and uh, nice approach. And and like you said, if if you need four visits. Um, if you that's were going once that, that's exactly if you were going every month, that's four months. Whereas the likelihood is if you are going every month, you're probably not going to get injured at all. Or and if you do, it's going to be quite minor because the, the physio and yourself between you, have probably spotted that there's yes, something, exactly. something occurring that needs attention then. Um so how but how do you find the right physio then? Uh, because I guess that uh, unless people hear of you from word of mouth or they've picked up your book, uh, you you might be outside of the sort of bandwidth of a lot of people. So how how? Oh yeah, no, and I don't really take on people. So <laughs> no. So for some, for somebody who's somebody who's listening to this who's thinking, oh, actually, that makes a great deal of sense. So I'm going to try and find a physiotherapist. How? you mentioned earlier about the physios that don't really um, know about running and so they just say we'll take 6 weeks off if you've got a sore knee which yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. going to work so how do i find somebody that's got the right level of skill and empathy um uh, or for me I,
1: I think i think there's two things i'd say one you kind of hit it at the start um where it's like if you've if you've chatted to other people in the club like runners and track we are picky like we want if mm-hmm. we're not getting back yeah you'll find soon enough. So if someone's been in the sport long enough in your area, they'll have someone. The second thing is if you have an injury, I always say like a tree, there should be a tree session rule. So, you know, if you're not seeing any improvement after three sessions, I would be moving on to someone else. Okay. Those two things. And don't be afraid, you know, to move on. Like, like, like sometimes we can feel, and that's the problem. We can feel like, oh, we have to keep going back. Mm-hmm. uh or feel committed the person if they if they're doing a good job now that's not like that you're completely injury free but you should be like okay i'm on the right lines it's feeling not better it's been explained to me what's going on you know if you have if you have a bad Achilles tendinitis for for example like a bad one to stop you you're going to be out for 12 weeks there's no there's no getting away, away from that fact mm. um you know if you're coming back from like say a knee surgery or something like that you're going to be out for a while but you should be seeing say with the achilles tendonitis you should be feeling better you should be feeling it's getting stronger and getting better and have a plan towards where okay we're back kind of easy jogging in eight weeks and and building back into that place
0: yeah yeah okay so definitely word of mouth um word about I mean, and then I, three sessions to I, 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 again there's something i always think is if if you don't have a physiotherapist that you know you can go to when you get injured and you're suddenly looking through looking around pages on the internet trying to yes. find somebody a you're more likely to make a decision that means you end up with the wrong person and b if you're not already on their list, like, you know, like you said, somebody you don't take on any new patients. So I guess that um, anybody ringing you is going to have to keep searching. So it's always, it's always worth doing this search for a physiotherapist before you need them. So that when you do need them, it's much easier for you to pick the phone up and make an appointment.
1: 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, it's, we kind of mentioned at the start, it's important just that you get your network
0: kind of in, Mm -hmm.
1: do you know, like, so if you know that, okay, I'm going to, kind of specialize with back pain and the kind of leg injuries it's like okay no there Mm. you might have as you said your ex-wife is okay she was good at shoulders like you know i've gone to so many i know i'm a physio as well so i'll just be interested in what people are doing but i've gone to even as a runner i've just gone to so many physios like so many if i hear of anyone i go because it just puts my head of like okay what are they good at Mm. um some people are really good at diagnosis like if i need is this something that needs i need to stop uh, I need to know what it is. Some people are really good at treatment. Like I'm just in a acute pain or they'll they'll just do something to really get it better. And then other people are really good at like rehabilitation and making sure like an overall plan. And there's a bit of trial and error, but you know, you're going to be feeling better anyway after it. So let's talk about the
0: mechanics of running then. Yeah. Um, because triathletes, I don't know what runners are like, but triathletes always like wanting to tinker with the technique and, um, writing if if somebody was to write an article in a running magazine or triathlon magazine about technique, everybody's all over it. And then they start trying to analyze their own thing. Um, So let's talk about running mechanics first. And one of the big things that I hear people talking about is, well, I mean, look at Alistair Brown. He's a four foot striker and he's been a double Olympic champion. So there's obviously something in that. And, And a few years ago, the pose technique was very, very popular. And, um, and then I hear people saying, "Yeah, but look at so and so. He's a heel striker, and he's, uh, you know, he um, he breaks records here." Yeah. Um, so they're constantly trying to change. Should we? Should we? Uh, should we worry too much about what our our stride mechanics are like, or should we be thinking about other things like our overall body biomechanics?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, no, you shouldn't really. Well, look, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um. But there's only three things that make you better at running. Uh, as a preface, okay. So lactic threshold, VO2 max, and then running economy, like how smooth you were. Saying if you are off by a bit, that is a that is a discerning factor. Mm-hmm. So I'm not dismissing like run, running mechanics, and I'm a, biome- beca- a biomechanist anyway. So, um, it is important. Now, where I do have an issue is everybody's looking for this silver bullet, and mm-hmm. um, and the more, like I said, I have a PhD in biomechanics, but the more I've learned about the body, the more I'm convinced, Daniel, personally, that you, you can't consciously change something without it causing issues. So what I mean is that like, you sh- the best thing you should do is give your body the building blocks it needs to do well. So you should have good mobility. You should have good movement, mainly in your ankle, your hip, and your upper back. And your shoulder joint, you should have good stability, like balance in your arch of your foot, your knee. It shouldn't buckle in or out. Uh, Hips should have good stability anyway. And then shoulder blade. Okay, so even if you were just doing mobility work there, stability work on on your core, obviously your lower um, your lower back. Then lastly, so you have mobility, you have stability, like activate and switch on the right muscles, kind Mm -hmm. of like what we were talking about. And then the last thing is called motor control. It's like like that you were you made a good example like you know the side drills, mm-hmm. um different running drills. So I'm, I'm I would definitely put those into my program. As we said, we do the Pilates once a week to try give you the mobility and the stability that you need and it's it's a great injury prevention one. Anyway, and then after that, just do your strides and never ever ever think about trying to be on your toes or keeping your head like in the in a drill make the drill of the soil so you're focusing externally but i've seen people get into serious trouble i'll give you a good example we had a guy he was he came he was a silver medalist in under 20s europeans Mm -hmm. the only problem was the guy who bet was also irish so this guy, even though he was silver medalist in Europeans, he never won a national title. He didn't even win a provincial title because you're in the same uh, wow. the same province. The guy who won the Europeans was always on his toes. He had just a beautiful style. Really light on his toes. The other guy was more like kind of four-footing, like stronger runner. So what he did was he changed his style to match the other guy. So he went on his toes and he was so like determined, he like. Any jog, he'd be on his toes. He'd nearly looking nat- unnatural. And after a while, it did start looking more natural. And then um, he was running well. You know, I don't know if he would he's running better or worse. But by 21, that guy was finished with running. And at 23, he had like a double Achilles uh, surgery. Mm. Because he thought consciously, he was able to do something that subconsciously his body didn't want to do. Now, we have evolved from cavemen <clears throat> and cave women. We weren't waiting for some YouTube video to tell us how to run. It's ingrained in us. And if you're heel striking, there's a reason you're heel striking. Or if your stride is a little bit shorter, there's a reason. And you should trust that process.
0: I always think if you watch children running on the beach in bare feet, they just run naturally. They don't worry about it. They just run and they run fast and they run so smoothly. And then as we get older. We had all these layers of tightness and stiffness in. Most of them are caused by lack of movement, poor posture, sitting down all day and, yes. and tightness that occurs around some of those joints and muscles and and maybe also lack of stability because we're not supporting ourselves and, and we're, not, we're not maintaining that sort of mobility and stability. And so it's, it's, it's poor movement practices and poor habits that we pick up as we get older in our life that lead to us running in the way that we do. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. And I just think if we could go, you know, you hear a lot of coaches talking about that If we could go back to playing like children, we'd all be far better off. But I, actually, I don't think that's a throwaway comment. I think there's some truth in it.
1: No, definitely. And if you think about the way a child develops, they're they're born with mobility. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they can put their toe in their mouth in their <laughs> yeah. in their mouth. They have a lot of mobility. They learn stability, like they learn how to crawl, roll, and and, and like i've seen a lot of children where they can't run smoothly and i always ask did your did your child crawl and they're like no so they didn't learn that stability mm-hmm. and then it, it manifests in um issues later and then the motor control is they're just practicing they're just uh they're just they stand up they fall they stand up they fall there's always a coffee table there to bang the head off yeah. um <laughs> but they they're, they're programming this yeah exactly and then (laughs) then, it's scars we'll compare and then as you said what they get is variability in their movements like we do it less but you know me and you we would have you're going up a a tree you're playing different sports you're basically programming different things so that when you do see a child who's graceful they're like they have all these components Mm. and as you said we're designed to move we're designed to be healthy So it's given the building blocks, but sometimes you see people don't want to do the work. When I say it's 45 minutes a week of doing this intense work or strength training, like your physio said, or, or doing it, they are like, oh, but if you read an article, oh, I just need to pop on my toes. That's fine. you know? Mm. Uh, So it's that, it's that kind of thing sometimes that um, can cause the issues.
0: When we're introducing, you've mentioned mobility and strength. Now you've talked about your Pilates. I, I go to yoga, and I, I you know, Brilliant. I was one of those late starters. But but Louisa and the other physios have encouraged me, now to the point where I do forty five minutes every morning of different movement practices. And oh my god, and, that's I've, great! Yeah, and, I, and I almost now it's like brushing my teeth. And if I don't do it, I feel like a, a little unclean when I go out. Yeah, 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 great. Um, so uh, I, I've been late to this, but um, I coming from a strength background, I've always thought that people should get involved with strength first particularly as we get older you know it's one of the things that we lose with age but another coach encouraged me to think about mobility first because if you've got limited range of motion in say the upper back and you keep doing pull-ups to develop your lats you're still only moving and gaining strength through a limited range of motion so what we should all try to do first is to get a a better range, you know, the the best range of motion that we can have so we can use the muscle through its full range and then add strength on top of that.
1: Yeah, that is, like as you said, there's two things I'd say to that. The first is that that's the order it goes in, mobility first, because you need to get the range right to move. You'll always be able to move. That's why we can limp. So say, say if you can't move to your hips and yeah. I do loads of core stability you'll always mm-hmm. be able to switch off those core muscles and move mm-hmm. through your back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you know, if there was a, if there was a 50 or 50 pounds on the ground, even if I've tried to stop you moving through your spine, if you physically can't move any other way, you'll, you'll get down to pick that, yeah. pick that up. So, but the other thing I would say is that, um, like say in our sports Pilates, that's what we try to do. It's like trying to combine the both of them, you know, like that's okay. absolutely brilliant that you 45 minutes, like you do it every day. And if if I was that, I would definitely have, say, mobility practices. And we give like mobility routines in our program. Mm. But for most people, it's like just kind of combining the two. Yeah. Because I w- if you do all mobility and then you're not doing any stability or strength, that's not going to be good either. Um, yeah. So I think having a combo of the two is is the best.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, um, and for runners, then what what are, what are your preferred methods of developing strength? I mean, when when we talk about strength, most people think, well, if I'm a runner, I need to get strong legs, so I should be going in the gym and doing squats and deadlifts and maybe some lunges. Um, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, like I we kind of go from a ground up approach. So we like, as you said, the first thing once we're getting good mobility back in the um, in the hips, I'll send on a, a link with just some of the key exercises I think are good for for athletes so mm-hmm. you can see kind of some of the movements we have we have a free trial of that sports pilates i can put that in the link it's ever our pilates slash sport free trial mm-hmm. if they want to check it out but um yeah like i would say doing like say your bridging your glute clam work your kind of bird dog or superman work some of your hip openers and ankle mobility drills and then mm. then getting into as you said once those muscles are activated it can kind of activate the core and you have good body awareness moving into like that um you know single leg deadlift is probably my favorite exercise mm-hmm. for
0: runners yeah me, me too I, yeah. I, I particularly like i've, I've started doing them um, like an arabesque movement now which is great for balance yes yeah, it's, uh, it's great for poise so it's uh but i go from a um a staff position so what standing on one leg knee raised um straighten my leg out into an arabesque with my arms wide open try to get far forward but balanced on my feet and then go back into a reverse lunge and then come back up and create that as a movement pattern so that i'm getting everything i'm getting everything in there you know i'm getting that balance i'm getting some sort of um posterior chain control as well and uh and then i'm getting that some of that single leg strength um but it's a very simple movement it requires no weights um you know, you, uh, you measure your performance by just seeing how much better you're getting on the balance. Don't you really on that one, rather than being able to lift more weight.
1: Well, what's great about that is it's a self-limiting exercise. Yeah. Um, skipping is the same. I love those because if you can't do it correctly, you can't do it. Yeah. Whereas like, I like actually squats as well, to be fair. Um, lunges, if you have any SI joint problems, I wouldn't go with that, but, uh, otherwise grand. Um, but you can do them with poor technique. If you try that single leg deadlift or you try that arabesque movement, you'll just fall over if you can't do it. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Until you can do it correctly, you can't do it. Mm. It's the same with skipping. I love skipping because you're going to keep hitting the hitting the rope. Or yeah. if you're trying to do jumps and landing, you can do that and get yourself into trouble because um, you mightn't have good technique or you mightn't have the strength built up. But if you're, you're constantly hitting the rope and you have, have a set time of like a minute that you're doing it for or two minutes... Well, you might only get ten jumps the first day, and you might get twelve the next day, and then a good couple of weeks, uh, you know, a couple of mm-hmm. weeks or months later, your legs have developed, um, and you have coordination, and now you're doing fifty, sixty, seventy.
0: I love, I love skipping. I, I you know, I know we're going to talk about running economy and plyometrics, and for me, plyometrics is the most basic type of. Uh, sorry skipping is the most basic type of plyometrics you can get that's all i was going to um, mention there and uh, it, but it's just fantastic for timing it's fantastic for concentration it's almost you have to concentrate because if you don't particularly if you're using one of them um, he- heavier weight wire skipping ropes every time it whacks you on the back yeah, of the it leg hurts. it hurts doesn't it so you <laughs> want to avoid that um so that's you have so to funny. focus so it's sk- skipping can actually be a meditative um, practice as well
1: yeah, have you ever done it without your shoes on? Uh, I had to put them back on because honestly, if it grazed it, it was like yeah, nearly cut your foot. Um, yeah, and that's all. That's all I wanted to mention on plyometrics. Sometimes we think it can be a big deal, but there was a great study that looked at the influence of sk- skipping. So some people did yeah. three or four minutes of skipping, yeah, or jumping rope for our US uh, listeners, and then uh, others just did three or four minutes of extra running, either mm. at the end of a run or in the warm up before workouts or sessions and they found that the group that um the group that did the skipping improved their like squat jump their counter movement jump by oh. about 13 percent by 10 really? percent yeah. yeah and there was like a three percent improvement uh and like ankle stiffness all the things associated with plyometrics and they actually had a three percent improvement in 3k times versus a 1.5 percent oh. improvement in the running group who had no improvement in their plyometrics. So I just have my skipping rope in my car, take it out once a week or twice a week, just do a little bit of skipping and it's no extra time. I just come back to my car. If I'm going for a 60 minute run, I'll come back at 57 minutes, do three minutes of skipping, like do maybe a minute, Mm -hmm. take 10 seconds off, do it again. And I go double leg for 20, single for 10, single for 10, and then alternate between the two Mm -hmm. um, for For twenty and try to do that three times. But as I said, if you, if you, if you keep hitting the rope, once the time is up, the time is up. Don't keep going to hit that distance. You're mm, not ready for it yet.
0: mm. I think that runners and triathletes could probably do a lot better with their warm ups than just going out and running for ten minutes while they're ready. You know, this. I, I think this is a great opportunity for us as coaches and physios to encourage people to do the strength and mobility so if you've got a 50 minute run planned run for 40 minutes but spend the first 10 minutes doing a little circuit where you're slowly building your heart rate up but you're doing some different movement yeah patterns. Brilliant. you're doing some lateral stuff you're doing some ladders you're raising your heart rate with some skipping you're doing some maybe those squats and and some sort of more aggressive mobility type body weight strength stuff and um it, it'll just be a way more effective uh It'd be a way more effective warm up than just going Yeah, and a even, run. even
1: for performance, as you said, you'll probably <clears> see <throat> better improvements.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, so, one of the things I know you want to talk about was. Uh, some of the strategies that runners can take try and uh, endurance athletes let's say to avoid or m- minimize injury i guess some of the th- if if we introduce some of the things we've talked about in this conversation that yeah. would help uh, is there anything additional to what we've uh, covered today that you might add in
1: no i think this has been great i think like the key things that we've said are like that variation in your training have structured you have like a down week planned um are you adding variation like having strides in there? Do you have maybe one day of of um a kind of strength work or Pilates or or something that's changing the changing what you're doing? Mm. Now you said Simon, as I said, in our course we do it say once a week, because I just like getting it done and then it's done. But if you wanted to do that, say 10 minutes in your warm-up, that's brilliant as well. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a certain way, mm. it's just adding that in. I think, as I said, having the strides for our variation and then keeping in some of the, looking at the whole year, as you were saying, there you actually said a great Simon, where it's like there should be an emphasis, but not that be the sole thing. So if you're getting ready for a longer event, yes, that's the emphasis. Of course, you have to do the longer stuff, but include strides, include maybe one session every two to three weeks that has a kind of quicker component so it's not a big transition back to say a track and identically the same thing it's like if you know you're going to be doing a marathon say in the you know marathons are roughly around now or in the spring add in a a longer run every two or three weeks just to keep um uh keep that in there yeah so i think i think if people have started doing those things they'd see a big improvement Mm. Uh,
0: so as we wrap up then apart from those injury tips um any other summary factors that our listeners can take away? I mean, I, I really like the diversity and, um, you know, the variety. I think whether I'm writing about um, nutrition, whether I'm writing about strength training or mobility or just keeping fit in general, diversity and variety comes up every time. Um, getting the basics right seems to come up in every – if I was to give people lists of guidelines yeah, for all 100%. these things, getting the basics right would probably be occupy the top spot in nearly every list of recommendations.
1: Oh yeah, it's exactly. There's no like magic bullet. And that's what we're really saying about the, like the running technique. Like everyone wants, there's no magic bullet. There's just getting solid training in at an appropriate uh, volume, doing a little bit of the extra work and that gets results, you know, and you could be, by the time you've actually tried, chase these different magic bullets, you would have found that, uh, <laughs> you know, you would have nearly been there if you had done just the consistent training.
0: Yeah. Well, Owen, it's been fantastic to catch up with you. Um, Simon, men- thank you so much for having me on. You've mentioned a couple of things that we can post links to in the show notes. Your Pilates yeah, brilliant. And, I, and some I other have, stuff, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. I have um, a, a free book. It's just a collection of articles on training or injury prevention advice. And it's you can get that at Everard, E-V-E-R-A-R-D, Pilates, dot com forward slash book. And then we do have free trials of our sports Pilates. You try it for a week. Um, see if mm-hmm. it's for you and we'll start that in november mm-hmm. again and that'll be everairpilates.com forward slash forward slash sport free trial so uh yeah thanks so much for having me on simon really appreciate that
0: you're most welcome owen um and if you're ever over in yorkshire please come and say hello it'd be great to do an in-person workshop for some of our listeners maybe
1: yeah there's a couple of good races over there so uh the Abbey yeah. dash and
0: yeah coming up soon actually
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: Mm, cool okay owen thanks so much um appreciate that and uh, we'll speak to you soon take care thanks again to owen for joining me on this week's high performance human podcast as usual there are links to all of today's discussion topics in the show notes below to make sure you don't miss any episode in the future please go to itunes search for high performance human triathlon podcast and click the subscribe button also Don't forget to check out those links for joining up with our SWAT community. It really does represent great value for money from triathlon coaching for you this winter. Okay, that's all for now. Have a great week and I will see you on the next episode.